All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to yet another episode of What Happened, a true crime podcast. I am your host, Kimberly, bringing you lesser-known true crime stories. Woo! Summer is almost over. Can you believe it? It's nearly fall. Holy shit, snacks. Like, wow, that means... The W word is almost here, too. Mm, Bitch, be gone. Hope you all had a safe and fun summer. So we begin to transition back to the like back to school mode and sweater weather and spooky season. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. Listen, I am not big on analytics, but I'll say this. Thank you so much for the almost 700 streams of my podcast over the past six months that I've been recording these episodes like oh my goodness I was looking back at the episodes I've recorded thus far and holy shit it's hard to believe that we're already on to episode 16 I'm super excited to see how the listenership grows over the next six months and then forward oh my goodness um if you haven't already spread the what had happened word scream it from the fucking rafters with me y'all what had happened a true crime podcast get into it bitches don't forget to join the What Had Happened Facebook group where I share true crime uh, news, memes, as well as the What Had Happened IG and Twitter that I am literally the absolute worst at tweeting and posting on. All links can always be found in the description box below. Our last episode, I told you about the 40-year-old whodunit unsolved quadruple homicide in Ketty, California. <sighs> this one for this week is going to be a doozy like you guys have to follow me with this one okay there's an overall case well a group of cases there's 60 there's 66 at least okay 66 plus girls young ladies and women who were murdered in new jersey and these cases were dubbed the new jersey girl murders now within this group of 66 women police were able to identify two serial killers being held responsible for approximately about like a third of the murders that were committed so today i'll be telling you about serial killer garden state serial killer robert uh zarinsky and then in a later up i will tell you about the other serial killer and then drum roll when we start our subscription base that's when i will go full-on balls deep into the entire new jersey girl murders case it's 66 victims y'all you cannot expect me to try to prattle that shit off today nope so let's get into it Robert Zarinsky was born September 2nd, 1940 in Linden, New Jersey to Julius and Veronica Zarinsky. Julius Zarinsky was born in New York in 1950 and was the son of Polish Jewish immigrants. And Veronica was born in New Jersey in 1920 to Lithuanian immigrants. The two wed in 1940 and that fall their first child, Bobby, was born. Veronica doted on her little boy, who was a very who at a very young age began displaying signs of mental instability in the spring of 1943 julius and veronica rounded out their family with daughter judith 
Julia Zerinsky was described as being a meek, mild-mannered businessman who worked tirelessly for years to build his business, Jay-Z and Son Wholesale, a business that provided fresh fruits and vegetables to area grocery stores and restaurants. It became evident to all that Bobby was a troubled boy. Coddled and protected by his mother, young Bobby was a terror. His sister would recollect her brother as a child having collected insects and small animals to torture, abuse, mutilate, and kill. Bobby would also direct his aggressions towards his sister and father, his mother always placing blame on others for her son's actions. Once in a fit of rage, he beat his sister so severely that she missed two to three weeks of school to heal. Don't hit her in the face was Veronica's response to the abuse. Even with that amount of anger and violence, their mother continued to defend her beloved son. Nothing was ever her son's fault. It was the other person's fault. With mental illness, wicked proclivities, and overall darkness hovering over the Zerinsky home, the easiest approach was appeasing Bobby. If a girl were to break up with him, his mother was said to show up to the girl's home crying, begging the girl to reconsider. When neighbors informed Veronica that her son had set fire to animals, she walked off in a huff. How dare you? Throughout his young life, Robert received psychiatric help and stays in hospitals, which began at age 14 at the Trenton Psychiatric Hospital. As a teenager, Robert began to identify himself as a Nazi and formed a gang like with like-minded friends called the Panthers. To add insult to injury, Robert was cons- was constant would constantly debase, degrade, and abuse his father Julius. On one occasion, Robert was said to have smashed a tomato in his father's face, and on another, literally kicking his father out of a chair and calling him a stupid Jew. Now, keep in mind, Veronica also would debase her husband in the same manner. Upon graduating from high school, it was reported that Robert took the shop's proceeds, the store that, you know, his fa- the business that his father, you know, had, like, built from the ground up, and left his father with a $5 weekly salary. Now, let's get into it, because this shit's kind of crazy. On November 28, 1958, the murder of Rahway police officer Charles Bernos- uh, Bernoski happened. Bernoski happened upon a burglary in progress at the Miller Pontiac car dealership in Rahway. Uh, he was then shot and killed by one of the burglars, either Robert or his cousin, Theodore Schiffer. Although Officer Bernoski shot both suspects, they were able to elude capture. On that rainy night, the young men returned to the Zerinsky home where Veronica removed the bullet from her nephew's chest and her son's buttocks using tweezers and tongue depressors. That evening in the Zerinsky kitchen, the family was sworn to secrecy and the two were spirited away to the Poconos to recuperate. It wasn't until the following morning while reading the newspaper that Julius learned his son had been involved in the killing of a police officer. This crime would not be solved until 1999, when a fingerprint lifted from the crime scene would eventually be matched to Theodore Schiffer. Cousin Ted would end up serving three years for the crime, but back in the time machine we go to 1961. In 1961, Bobby was accused of kidnapping and raping 15-year-old Sharon Kennedy, 
However, she didn't file a report until after the statute of limitations were up, allowing Robert to go without prosecution for the crimes. In March of 1962, Robert was charged with desecration of 1,500 headstones at the Rosedale Linden Cemetery and setting fire to five lumber yards nearby. Sidebar, I have a lot of relatives buried at the Rosedale Linden Cemetery. I've been to a, a yeah, yeah, I visited a, a few family members there. So for me, I know the scope and size of this particular cemetery in present day. I don't know what it looked like back in 1962, but 1,500 headstones desecrated, that's a lot. Uh, you know, and that's, God, it's a huge cemetery to tear up. So Robert claimed he was insane at the time and didn't know the difference between right and wrong. Robert then was also assuming the name Lieutenant Schaefer, and he had sent letters to police departments and newspapers threatening to blow up local landmarks. The following month, he would be committed to a state psychiatric facility where he would be diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic, no shit, and underwent electric shock treatments. Don't really agree with. After a year, Robert was released back into his family home in Linden and worked alongside his father. More so, like, fucking terrorized his father. September 15th, 1965, 18-year-old Mary Agnes Klinsky was last seen at about 9 p.m. on Keensburg Boardwalk. The following day, at about 3 p.m., Mary Agnes was found nude, battered, and raped. Her cause of death was blunt force trauma, skull fracture, and intracranial bleeding. It wouldn't be until 2016 that DNA evidence would identify Robert Zerensky as her killer. In 1967, Robert married 17-year-old Florence Lynn McDermott of Cliffwood Beach. Six months later, the two would become parents to a son who died before his second birthday due to asthma complications. November 4, 1968, 13-year-old Jane Dura was last seen at about 4.55 walking to her sister's home, which was approximately 20 minutes away. The following day, Jane's body was found in a ditch. Her clothes were disheveled, shoes under her body. Jane suffered from rape and cerebral hemorrhage from blunt force trauma to the head. In 2004, James Bellamy was charged for the cold case, but in 2006, the charges were dropped when the DNA sample had been determined to have been contaminated. It was retested and Robert Zerinsky was charged in March 2008 based on the DNA evidence, but he died on the eve of the trial. March 26th, 1969, 17-year-old, okay, here we go, Linda uh, Balabano disappeared after leaving her job at a drugstore in Roselle. 
when she failed to return to her home on Union Avenue in Union, New Jersey. Union police considered her case a runaway situation, even though Linda had left behind her money and cosmetics. On April 27, 1969, Linda's body was found in Woodbridge near the Hess oil deck. Although she was found in water, it was determined that Linda suffered from a fractured skull, a broken jaw, she was beaten about the face, and was nude from the waist up. While there were no signs of penetrative, penetrative rape, Linda's hands were bound with rope, a truck tire chain wrapped around her neck, hands, and lower extremities. Her dress was wrapped around her face and head and tied off with an electrical cord with a granny knot. It would be in 1975 that a ball-peen hammer covered in blood and Linda's hair would be found in Robert's vehicle. Dumb fuck. Get rid of the evidence, right? <sighs> now, this is where things get a little bit dicey because... I want to pronounce this last name so correctly. Rosemary Calandriello. Yes, Calandriello. That is how we're going to pronounce the last name. I feel it in my spirit. Was last seen at her family's home in the 90 block of Center Avenue in Atlantic Heights, New Jersey. At about 6 p.m. on August 25th, 1969. Her mother had given her $2 and sent her out to buy milk and ice pops for the family's dinner. The store was only two blocks away. You guys, how many times have we heard this? Atlanta child's murders, the freeway phantom, some of the Texas killing fields. Fuck. And also, let's let's back this up. Rosemary was 17 years old, so she should have been able to walk to this store the two blocks and get back rosemary was expected to return home within a few minutes but she never arrived she was never heard from again her mother reported her disappearance to the police two hours after she was last seen rosemary was the youngest of four children and the only child still living with her parents by the time of her disappearance she'd only recently started dating and had no steady boyfriend and was generally kept very sheltered by her family she wasn't allowed out all night, you know, at night without being accompanied by chaperones or her parents, and Rosemary was afraid of the dark. At the time of her disappearance, her father was in poor health and had taken leave from his job as a result. Rosemary assumed many household responsibilities, including shopping for groceries, paying bills due to her father's illness. Her parents never believed she was she had run away from home as this was extremely uncharacteristic for her. When authorities canvassed the area, they found four of Rosemary's high school classmates who claimed to have seen her riding in a car with a stranger who was an older male. The victim or the vehicle was described as a beat-up black and white Ford Galaxy convertible. The boys followed the car in their own vehicle for a few blocks because they were curious about seeing Rosemary with an older man. 
The police made a composite drawing of the unidentified man based off of the boy's descriptions. After this sighting was reported in the newspapers, a woman told investigators that a man who closely resembled the sketch and drove a similar car had offered a ride to her 12-year-old daughter and her daughter's friend. He made the offer on three separate occasions and also offered to give the girls some wine. The girls had memorized the vehicle's license plate and police determined it belonged to Robert Zaransky. Photographs of him, you know, were distributed. <sighs> and let's see here. So, Robert had a history of being antisocial and he had a lot of criminal behavior dating back, obviously, to his childhood when he was, you know, diagnosed as being a schizophrenic. So after linking him to Rosemary's disappearance, authorities arrested him for contributing to the delinquency of a minor. This charge was connected to his allegedly offering alcohol to the two underage girls, but police believed that he had also harmed Rosemary. He was also seen washing the trunk of his Ford Galaxy after Rosemary went missing, something he rarely did. When authorities inspected the car, the window and door handles of the passenger side were absent. Huh. Super scary. One of Rosemary's hair clips was, out, was found on the floor of the vehicle, and in the back seat was a pair of blue women's panties. Rosemary's mother identified the panties as her daughter's, but Zerinsky's wife stated that they were her own because she was a ride or die and she was scared shitless of veronica veronica ran a tight ship and it was all or nothing you were all in there was also a ball peen hammer with a blood-stained hair stuck to the end of it that was also found after his arrest rosemary's four high school classmates identified robert as the man they had seen with her on the evening of her disappearance while he was in jail, he allegedly confessed to her murder to a cellmate and said no one would ever find her body. He was convicted on the charge of contributing to the delinquency of, the mi of a minor, but his conviction was overturned on appeal and he was released. The FBI analyzed the bloody hair found on the car and linked it to another teenager, Linda Balbabano, whose body was found in the Raritan River four months before rosemary's disappearance and she had been obviously strangled and like chained down and all that gnarly shit so then you know authorities also su suspected robert had killed uh and joanne delardo and donna carlucci the two teenage girls were from woodbridge oh goodness and they were oh, jesus this shit is so... You guys have to work with me. This shit is so fragmented. Like, it's so hard to keep up with the script. But, okay. So, then we're going to go back. So, on September 18th, 1973, before he got caught for all of that shit that he did before with Rosemary, okay, because if you recall... Rosemary went missing in hold the fucking phone. Rosemary went missing in 1969. So after she went missing in 1969, we didn't find shit for the longest. Okay? So 
this is why it's kind of fragmented and it's hard. It jumps around. The story jumps around so fucking much. So then, okay. On September 18th, 1973, 19-year-old Seton Hall student Ann Logan of Elizabeth, New Jersey, exit 13, what it do, was last seen leaving her job at Stop and Shop Grocery Store in Garwood at, you know, roughly around 11 p.m. After failing to return home, panicked, her parents reported their daughter missing. Her body was found the following day in a muddy lot near her car. There were bloodstains on the exterior of the car. Anne was found battered about the head and face with a brick. Anne's skirt was around her waist, her pantyhose torn, and her fingers and fingernails broken. Although Anne was trained in karate and and knew how to defend herself, she was no match for her killer. It's believed that Anne was strangled with the strap of her purse or a garrote. A bloody brick and a bloody man's t-shirt were found nearby. Now, on to the last murders so that we can get into what the fuck. On December 13, 1974, 14-year-old Doreen Carlucci and 15-year-old Joanne Delardo disappeared after being dropped off by their parents at a Catholic church dance in Woodbridge. On December 27th, the girls were found in a Manalapan, 30 miles away. The two young women had been beaten upon their heads and shoulders and strangled with, what? Electric cord. Joanne was nude from the waist down with electric cord wrapped around her neck and tied in, what? A granny knot. And Doreen was almost completely nude. There was no signs of penetrative rape. Robert was a suspect, but was never charged in the girl's deaths. So now we're going to go back into the script where I can get into how the authorities thought that they knew what the fuck. Okay, so we go back in time. Well, you know, we fast forward to 1975, where Robert was convicted on the charges of contributing to the delinquency of a minor with Rosemary. The FBI had analyzed the bloody hair that was found in the car and linked it to Linda Balabano. Authorities had suspected that he had killed her and also Joanne Delardo and Donna Carlucci because the evidence was adding up. He had a pattern. In 1974, he was charged with Rosemary's murder on the basis of circumstantial evidence. He was convicted in 1975, and Robert was the first person in the state of New Jersey to be convicted of first-degree murder without a body. He was sentenced to 98 years in prison. He was the, as I said, he was the first person to be convicted um, of murder where the where the victim's body had not been found, but. He had also admitted in 1988 that he had dumped her body in the Atlantic, and so she would never be found. In 1999, he was additionally charged with the murder uh, in, with the 1958 shooting death of Officer Charles Bernowski, but he was acquitted. But Officer Bernowski's widow won a $9.5 million civil judgment dollar uh, civil judgment against him 
in 2003. Now, at one of his parole hearings, Robert stated he had killed Rosemary accidentally. He said that he had driven her to a local lover's lane and that she had accidentally gotten drunk and left his car to relieve herself. And accidentally backed and he accidentally backed over her and killed her. Prior to making this statement for years, he had denied even having met her. Authorities have believed for the longest time that Robert was a serial killer. Newsflash, he fucking was. And he was a suspect in several murders besides the ones that he was charged with that I just told you about. And his own sister attributed as many to as many as 10 homicides that she knew of that were committed by her brother. <sighs> so let's see here clearly there was a pattern when robert's car was searched they found the ball peen hammer that had the hair on it that was later believe that was later found to be linda bablin uh balabino's but at the time the middlesex county authorities didn't think they had enough evidence to prosecute and then in monmouth county prosecutor peter warshaw said he would only confirm that his office was at the time engaged in a cooperative investigation that involved Robert. Still, everyone contended that all of the cases were linked. Like, all indications were that he did it. All of the girls had electric cords around their neck. There was clearly a pattern. In 2000, Robert was up for parole, and, you know... There was a quote from one of the detectives who said, well, actually, was it one of the detectives? Yes. Who said, quote, will they find that he committed the other murders? Will they find Calandrello's body? I don't know. I hope so, for the family's sake. Rosemary's mother and brother are still alive. One brother was killed in a bungled robbery in Pennsylvania. That family has had more than their share of tragedy. Closure would be nice. The investigation couldn't have come at a better time with Zerinsky having had been up for parole the following year. Now, on March 11th, 2008, Mammoth County Prosecutor Louis Valentin, or is it Luis? Louis, Louis Valentin, officially announced that Robert Zerinsky was going to be charged with the murder and felony murder in connection with the death of 13-year-old Jane Dura. At the time, Robert was 67, but he had been in prison since 1975 for the murder of, oh geez, Rosemary. But he had long been suspected in Jane's death as well. Quote, I've been waiting for this year, for this day, for so many years. I've always believed it was Zarinsky, said Joan Conway, Jane Dura's sister. Valentine said that Jane Dura disappeared on the evening of Monday, November 4th, 1968, after she took a shortcut through a grassy field by a railroad track on her way to her East Keensburg home. He added that the case will go on to a grand jury later in that month. 
quote, for the last several years, up through last week, evidence had been thoroughly and comprehensively analyzed by multiple laboratories to ensure the reliability of the results. The investigation culminated with the charges lodged against Zerinsky. On November 28th, before 2008, the eve of his trial, Robert Zerinsky died in at the Southwood State Prison in Bridgeton, New Jersey, of pulmonary fibrosis, a scarring of the lung tissue that made it increasingly difficult for him to breathe. I call that shit karma. Now, I caught some tea while I was doing my what had happened research on Mr. Zerinsky, where he had found out that his sister had I guess absconded stolen his inheritance which roughly added up to approximately $150,000 and he sued the shit out of his sister when he sued the shit out of his sister for this crime she admitted that she had been taking the money because her husband was in poor health I believe he had heart problems needed surgeries and all of that stuff and she didn't think that her miscreant brother was going to miss the money but being the type of ass clown that he was he noticed that the money was gone pretty much off the rip so in order to get out of more trouble for you know the theft of all of that money his sister decided that she would cooperate with police and tell them all of the things that she knew about her brother. And that's how we found out about all of these crimes that her brother had gotten away with. Like, yeah, he was locked up since 1975, but she actually put the final nail in the coffins, plural, for the many crimes that he had committed starting with the 1958 murder of the police officer in Rahway all the way down to you know what had happened to Rosemary Calandriello um so his sister was actually very instrumental in getting her nasty ass brother locked away for good so you know, Robert Zerinsky. What can we say about this man? I actually made this a really short episode, you guys. That's how disgusted I was by this fucker. You know, what can you say? He was born into a home where he was put on a pedestal. His mother was the queen and he was the king. And everyone else fell below the bar, but they all had to follow suit. Robert was an abusive, mentally ill, sick, twisted person. He had all of the key characteristics of a serial killer. From mutilating animals and abusing people and then turning shit around so that he wouldn't get in trouble. And making the victims look like they were guilty. Victimizing random people his stalking because what i also learned was that when robert would go to work 
he would go to work early in the day, like early in the morning, um, so that the deliveries could be done, and then he was done by like 12.30, so he had the whole day to prowl neighborhoods and drive around, you know, from exit to exit, if you're from New Jersey, you know what the fuck I'm talking about, and stalk his prey. Uh, and that's exactly what the fuck he was. He was a stalker of prey. And he always preyed on people that he felt were weaker than him and they happened to be women. This man had little dick energy. He was sick. I mean, I'm thinking about how Linda's body was found with the tire chain. I'm thinking about the sheer viciousness the fact that this man damn near decapitated people. I'm thinking about the families that had all of these daughters who were told that the children were fucking runaways. Because at the time it was, it was just not fathomable that somebody would just swoop a, a, a woman off the streets and murder her. And buckle up, babies. Because when I actually got into the New Jersey Girl murders, oy vey. The amount of fuck shit that happened to these women. And I'm pretty sure that I could probably connect some of the murders with that hadn't been put into the bucket of Robert Zerinsky just based off of the mode just based off of his MO. There's some that I haven't brought up because they weren't, you know, on the books tied to him. But when I get into the sixty-six victims boy oh boy buckle up we've got some we've got some we got some sleuthing to do <sighs> so that's it babies i know i promised you an episode last week shit's been rough okay gotta take care of my mental when i'm talking about crazy people and i honestly didn't think that this was going to be such a clusterfuck to try to navigate i apologize because i actually had to do like a super I had to do like a super deep dive in on his background to find out the basic information that I gave you about his, you know, up, you know, his upbringing. And then, you know, all of my references, they were pretty vague on the crimes. And so I wasn't able to give you like a lot of information like I really want to, but I really needed to tell you about this fucker. I really had to bring this asshole to your ears. <sighs> I'm going to take a deep breath in. I'm going to relax, relight, release and release this negative shit from my mind because Robert, ooh, he's in there. Our next one though. Mr. Cottingham, I think he might actually be worse. So we'll get into it. We'll get into it next week or, you know, when I have some time, maybe the end of this week. Who knows? We'll see how the script turns out. But anyways, babies, I'm Kimberly. This is what happened, a true crime podcast. I love you so much. I appreciate you so hard. You guys give me purpose. Like, I promise I'm your biggest fans. You guys give me a reason to continue with this baby of mine. So now, on to my outro music.